So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all wanna create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we wanna do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, welcome everybody. Happy April 17th. It's Friday, nearly one o'clock here in the West. Uh, welcome to the fifth week of This Week in Housing. I'm Tom Ferry. I've got uh, my two great guests, Steve Harney, aka The Oracle, and David Childers, the man with the numbers and all the great slides that are helping each and every one of us educate our buyers and sellers to make good decisions and to keep the economy when it comes to real estate moving forward. So uh, we're gonna get started in just two minutes. It's Facebook, we like to jump on early live and uh, allow everybody to get on there. So, hey, Laura Morton, right? One of the greatest writers on the planet and currently working on a documentary that I'm super inspired to be a part of helping, uh, well, I'll save it, Laura. I think we need to do a whole podcast on that. So before we get started, we've got a lot of people jumping on very quickly. Um, Today, we're going to talk about, as promised, continuing on with uh, unemployment and the data behind unemployment and how we need to be exposed and understanding what the real numbers are so we can help people, right? That's always what this is about. So we can help people to educate people with the facts, with the data, not with the emotion that sometimes, or maybe all the time, is associated with something like unemployment. Uh, secondly, we're going to go back into, um, as promised, the concern that so many people have, and I'm sure, you know, whether you're uh, a, a friend of a real estate agent's watching this or you're someone that we know in our industry that's, you know, helping buyers and sellers navigate these difficult times, uh, the question just keeps popping up. You know, is this just 2008 over again? And, and certainly if you, if you open up enough headlines, it's very easy to find someone that's going to say that the entire world is falling apart and we're going right back to 2008. So I've asked David just to reiterate uh, the data, the stats, the facts. So, so again, we can make good decisions, we can be informed, and we can help people. Again, whether you're a consumer watching this or uh, you're one of our great real estate agents or mortgage partners and title partners. Um, so I can see us live. I'm just getting a quick gut check on where we're at. Looks like the, we got a, a nice number of you already with us. The third thing we're gonna talk about, and, and no doubt, especially because I had a, a chance to see some of the slides in advance, You've all heard me perhaps talk about this BC, DC, AC conversation. And it was, you know, housing before Corona, right? Before the COVID-19, like how are we operating? What was going on? And, and, and there's no doubt we've been on, dependent upon how you measure it, about a 10 to a 10 and a half year bull run where home prices outside of a few interest rate adjustments, right, have continued to go like this. And, and anytime you have this, everybody expects the whole world to fall apart. And I want to reiterate, and I know Steve will talk about this also, that we're not in a, a housing crisis. We're in a health crisis that's become an economic crisis. And, and this show is really designed to educate you so you can make good decisions, well-informed decisions, and most importantly, so you can educate your buyers and sellers. So you can educate the people that are thinking about buying their first home or, or, or maybe even buying a second home, right? Or selling a property because they're concerned. So we're going to talk a lot about the economy today, and we're going to talk about recovery as well from some of the early data points that we have. So um, the last thing we're going to do is I'm going to ask if you've got a question 
that you post it right here live with us. And I know this, it's going to be hard because I'm literally going to see, you know, thousands of comments of highs and hellos. Um, but if you've got a specific question you want to ask about the economy, about recovery, about mortgage, about housing, uh, I'll be scanning while the guys are showing you slides to find those four, five, six questions. And then obviously myself and the team at KCM, Keeping Current Matters, we'll go back through and we'll answer a lot of the questions if we missed it. So, uh, so why don't we go ahead and get started, guys? It's 103 in the West. I've got two guys on the East that at this point need no introduction. This is week five. We are already over, I, I want to say, a half million views from real estate agents and from their past clients and their sphere. So uh, first of all, David, welcome, uh, welcome back and thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you, Tom. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And, you know, I was thinking you mentioned week five and um, gosh, it's, it's been, it's been five weeks, right? And, and it's a great way. I, I said last week, it's a great way to wrap up the week and talk about yeah. hey, what's happening. And so thanks for having me on. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you a ton. And the slides are, everyone knows that, that's watching, David and his team really thoughtfully take the time to look at all these data points and then put together these slides so we can post them on social, so we can talk about them in videos, so we can put them in our email marketing, which I'm so proud of you. So many of you are doing that. And again, that makes you the knowledge broker, right? That, that's what this whole thing is about, building and maintaining trust. So David, thank you for just you yeah. and your team to work on these slides. I want to add one thing, and you mentioned it right there. I was going to say that huge shout out to the KCM crew that's been working for five weeks to do that. And yeah. Tom, you mentioned everybody that's getting the message out. When we see that as a team, it makes it all worth it and energizes yeah. what we do. So thank you for sharing it and huge shout out to the KCM crew that's working so hard to put it together. Yeah, 100%. And the man that needs no introduction, I you know, lovingly refer to him as the Oracle of real estate. If you've never seen any of the movies, uh, The Matrix, Steve is that person for me. He's the guy that I've called multiple times when interest rates have jumped, when economic collapse seemed like it was about to happen. Steve is always the guy that, that brought me down, gave me the facts, talked to me calmly and educated me so I can in turn do the same. He's also the guy that called the 2000, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, and was had already sold his real estate company and was calling all of his broker friends and saying, now was the time. You've got to do something about this, like heads up. So no one better to talk to us about the economy. So Steve, welcome back to the show. We always appreciate having you. Hey, listen, uh, I, I'm excited about that. I'm going to double down on two things. David said, you know, the KCM crew, the people who work at KCM, they're working a lot of hours and they, you're know, doing research and they each come to us with ideas and some ideas make it and some aren't important enough. And we have to tell them, I know you spent two hours putting that together, but not this week. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting what's taking place. The only thing that I really am upset about is I kind of let David out from behind the curtain and now everyone's realizing he was the brains of the operation right from the beginning. I kind of liked a couple of years of having it be that it looked like it was actually, I was the wizard, but Tom, you were like that little Toto. You pulled the curtain and said, bring David out and let's see what happened. And uh, I'm really glad that he's getting the, the accolades he deserves. Well, well, Steve, I know you can appreciate this. It's okay. Now you can just go back to being the pretty face. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, yeah, let's get there too. <laughs> I, I know we're going to talk about some, uh, some, some heavy subjects uh, today. Uh, last week certainly was a lot of comments, a lot of shares, a lot of, a lot of chatter. I got a lot of DMS and private messages from people uh, thanking us for talking about unemployment. Thank you for showing the numbers. Um, so David, I, I think today though we should start. I, 
we, we promised everybody last week that we would show even more slides and give them more data points around the, around the concern that so many people have. Like we keep talking about BC, DC, AC before COVID, after, or during COVID and after sure. COVID and what that looks like. And we'll reiterate it today. But there's a lot of people that think it's, it's BC, DC, and then death. They just think yeah. we're going right back into 2008. And we understand it because we all still have those emotional scars and wounds from that experience. So I'm going to turn it over to you and I want you to pop up some slides. And between the two of you, let's just answer the question again and really show them intelligently, like the truth about what's going on in the economy right now. So sure. David, fire sure. away. Yeah. So, so Tom, that, that is the question right now that's on a lot of minds. And it really starts with what's going to heat up in the next couple of weeks. And, and already is there is this talk of recession. And when we hear recession, we're back to 2008, which, we, which our business was the epicenter of the financial downturn in 2008. We know today we're dealing with an external health crisis. So what I want to do real quick is I'm going to go through five data points, really five slides comparing today's market to 2008, okay? And so I'm gonna go ahead and share here so uh, everybody can see that. And you should be able to see that there. So we'll start here with home appreciation, okay? So this graphic, you may have seen it before, but this compares the, the six years leading up on the left to 2008 to the six years leading up to today relative to home price appreciation across the country. And just visually looking at it, you can see that leading up to 2008, we had much higher appreciation than what we're seeing today. Even some would say we have runaway appreciation at that time, almost like a runaway train, Tom, and we know where that ends up. And when we look at the six years leading up to today, what we know is while prices are improve, you know, growing and improving, and we do have appreciation, we don't have it to the degree we had leading up to 2008. In fact, in 2017, the highest year of appreciation is not even equal to the lowest year of appreciation leading up to the crash. So a very, very different picture in this country with regard to appreciation comparing today's market to 2008 and something we want to keep in mind as we have those conversations to your earlier point. The next piece that I want to bring in here is credit availability. So we've talked about mortgage. There's a lot of, a lot of conversation about mortgage. And, uh, and, and while we're not going to get into that, what we want to look at is mortgage credit availability. We use the Mortgage Bankers Association Mortgage Credit Availability Index. It's published each month. And the way you think about this is the higher the index, the easier it is to get a loan. And the lower the index, the harder it is to get a loan. And you can look at this index and see during the housing bubble how high uh, it was, how easy it was to get a loan. And then what we know in our business is that after 2008, we had this pendulum swing back to stricter guidelines, to stronger requirements to qualify for a mortgage home loan. And, and, and what we know is since then, we've largely remained there in this country of stricter guidelines. And you can, you can see it here visually that we're nowhere near where we were in credit availability leading up to 2008. And, and as a matter of fact, we're, we're, we're following this right now and doing research on it. Um, we're starting to see that, that index dip 
a little bit more right now. And you can see that, that, uh, that manifest right there, meaning it's getting harder to obtain financing as lenders go, oh, I don't know if I want to lend on that. I don't know if I want to take a risk on that, uh, that, uh, that, that type of loan or that type of credit. And so we're going to bring more to that, but, but it's suffice to say visually here and, and what this shows us, we can see a big difference between the credit availability that we had in 2008 and what we you know, have today. The next slide that I want to go into is inventory. This really tells a picture right here. And in, in leading into 2008, we know that we were in a much different scenario in this country with available inventory across uh, you know, markets of homes for sale. And back in 2008, you can see here on this graph that we hovered around 10, 11 months of inventory, depending on the time. And we know that oversupply, if we look at this neutral market based on a six month, six, seven month um, uh, you know, marker there, that oversupply of homes on the market led to a lot of the issues that we experienced uh, back in 2008. And what do we know about this year? We entered this year, uh, we did a webinar on it back in, uh, in, in, I think early February, I can't remember, it seems like a long time ago, on the biggest issue we were facing, which was lack of available homes on the market, literally for the number of people um, that want to buy them. And we've reported on this, we've talked a lot about it as, as the, one of the factors of how housing is positioned this time very differently and the economic impact we as an industry can have in pulling uh, our economy out of this, you know, this dip and this slowdown that we're in. So critical difference there. And just, you know, when you look at that visually, you can see the dramatic difference in inventory from 2008 to, to where we are today. So I want to talk about two, two more slides really in the equity category uh, as we compare the two years. So this is total home equity cashed out the three years leading up to 2008 as compared to the three years leading up to today. And, and you think about this as cash out refinances, cash out refis, okay? And so we know leading up to the crash, the three years prior, 824 billion with a B dollars were cashed out as cash out refis across the country. And really at that time, People were harvesting equity off of their homes and repositioning that equity into off, you know, depreciating assets, um, funding lifestyle, going on vacations, thinking this will never end. And when we look at that comparison to today, you can see that over the three years leading up to today, that the amount of cash out refis in green there, $232 billion, is not even equal to one year leading up to 2008, a, a fraction of the, uh, of the cash out refinances that we saw heading into the housing crash. And I, th I think it's fair to say that this is a representation of how consumers today are treating home equity and, and, a, and a big marker to some of the lessons learned coming out of 2008. So a dramatic difference, dramatic difference there. Yeah, I want to jump in and just ask because I saw this question and I thought it might be appropriate timing for both of you. So I, I'm sorry if I forget who asked the question, but basically the question was, uh, is household income and real or perceived wealth a better, a better indicator of the health of the housing market? Like she's saying, we keep talking about unemployment, but isn't 
household income and real or perceived wealth a better indicator of the housing market? Steve? Right, David, jump to the next slide and, and let, me, let me handle that one, if you don't okay. mind. We all have to realize we're financial planners for the families we serve because we have to take the same advice that financial services industry take because we really manage, the, for most families, the single most or the single greatest asset they have, and that's their home. Most net with the highest category of net worth in anyone's portfolio and almost every American's portfolio is their home. And we help them manage when they're moving that, that money, moving up, moving down, whatever the case may be. So the, the, whoever asked the question, I'm sorry we don't know the name because I'd say great question. <laughs> because what we can look at here is right now, 53.8% of all the homes in America have at least 50% equity. So what does that mean? That means we're in a different place than we were back in 2008. And that's what David put it this slide with this grouping. And yes, there is a lot of net worth there. 37% of all the houses uh, are free and clear. So if we're worried about you know, people losing their house, well, if the price is um, depreciated by 100%, 37% of Americans today would have no bearing on them because they don't even own, own a mortgage. It wouldn't be a negative equity. And this, we changed the bottom right-hand corner. So if you've seen this slide before, replace it with the slide we have now. We've given you another slide that gave you another percentage. I like this number better. The average equity of the mortgaged homes, forget the ones that are free and clear, the mortgaged homes, the average equity is $177,000. So let's assume that prices drop 25% and no one's calling for that. And there are three, there are three places that have said this is where prices are going to be. I have projected forward, you know, how do you say it? AC, they're projecting prices AC, yep. right? Ivy Zellman, First American, and Fannie Mae. All three are not calling, they're calling for no depreciation. But let's assume they did drop it. Even if they dropped 25%, people are still sitting on about $120,000 to $130,000 equity. No one's walking away from $120,000 cash. No. Right? So if that was the question, I'm not sure that was the question, that the wealth that people have in their homes are going to make them very secure, I agree with that 100%. So I want to just throw this out to all the people that are watching. Uh, if you're one of our clients and you're in the U.S., and I think now um, a few of the provinces of Canada, there is a company called Remine, R-E-M-I-N-E, Remine.com, where you could literally go in through your MLS and say, show me every house in my neighborhood or show me every house in my city that the home has zero mortgage on it. And then show me every home in my, you know, in my community, in my farm, in the place that I serve that has more than X percent loan to value. And you get a, a you know, manipulate or adjust, if you will, the numbers. Knowledge is power, people. Knowledge is power. Everything we're talking about, because I got a few questions even from a beautiful gal here locally who I know real well. She's one of our clients, Summer Perry, right? Thank you for your question. Um, you know, the thing that we often remember is, we're going to give you these national numbers. You then have to dig deep into your local marketplace and think about it. You're the one that's saying, here's what's happening nationally and here's what's going on in our town. And by doing that with, you know, the combination of our data and then the MLS, right, that's going to make you the knowledge broker. So David, I, I know I interrupted in the middle of your presentation there, yeah, but good. I saw the question and I thought it was relevant. Let's yeah. go back and show them a few more slides because I know we're going to talk about one that I got asked this question and this guy is, 
Are, do you have more, David, on uh, on 2008? Because this is the perfect no, transition those were the, question. No, those were the, the main points we wanted to hit on 2008. So, so listen to this question really fast, okay. and I had to screen save it here. Uh, Eddie, and I think it's uh, Hafer, H-A-E-F-F-E-R, asked, um, I think everyone is missing the obvious. Yes, this is a health crisis. It's mm -hmm. causing job loss. Jobs that will not come back for a long time and jobs that don't come back, create negative credit reporting, higher interest rates, houses sell for less, and there are no more qualified buyers. Eddie, it's almost as if you were a shill for us. I know you were being honest in your, in your feelings there, but David, do you got the question? David, um, go right to the graph. Okay. Um, yeah, you, so what we question. said last week is, is we wanted to go back and visualize uh, unemployment because it's a it's a question that a lot of people are asking. We talked about you know what's come out this week when we'll see the next wave of numbers for as a percentage the first week of May. But I want to show this graph right here. Uh, let me share here. Okay, so if you can see that this is a visual representation. Remember we talked last week about um, depth and length. And there are three numbers that I want to I want to go over here. It's two, nine, and twelve. And so what we did is, is visually laid out uh, unemployment in black here, you know, projected for COVID-19. And if you remember when we talked about that, we took the most conservative, meaning highest number of un unemployment projected uh, against unemployment during the Great Recession and unemployment during the Great Depression. And a reminder, going back there, that uh, length, is much more important than depth. So Tom, let's go back to that question and, and just, yeah. we can see here the depth, but in, in, in no doubt there, is, uh, there are jobs being lost and there are questions to be answered about you know, coming back online and, and, and things that we're watching. But what you can see there is, is you, you, you see depth, but you do not see the length as compared to even uh, the Great Recession, certainly not to the Great Depression. And I think some of the, the fever pitch has been, this is the depression all over again, or this is a situation like that all over again. And, and you literally can, can use this to, to communicate that it's dramatically different uh, in what we're experiencing today. So David, do you have the slide that the breakdown, the uh, pie chart of the 314 survey? Do you have that? Uh, if you give me a second, I can pull it up. Yeah, could you pull that up? That way. might help answer that question also. Damn. So the first thing I'm going to say about the graph that David's about to pull up uh, is don't ever use it, all right? And I'll explain it to you in a second. This is for your information and your information only. It's not to be dispersed to the public because I don't want to give them any false hope. But I do want to answer the question that Tom just asked us the best we possibly can. So what went up taking place is we don't have data on anything that happened after March 14th, because that data is not going to be released until May 8th. So on May 8th, what we're going to do is we're going to duplicate this or redo this particular graph that David's about to put up. This only covers, you look up at the top, where it's in orange, up until March 14th. These are the first 701,000 people that lost their jobs. It does not include the other 21,300,000 we'll be able to update this again on May 8th and we'll break it down for you. But in answer to the question of who is gonna lose their jobs, we have, and we don't think that it's gonna look exactly like this on May 8th, but it's gonna give us a feel for what's gonna be there. 
Almost 60%, six out of 10 people were either bartenders or servers in restaurants and things like that. Now they're not all coming back, all right? Because probably when we enter this, there's still gonna be social distancing. So in, when, as they open up in a slowly, as Dr. Fauci said, it's not gonna be a light switch we're turning on and off, it's gonna be a dimmer switch. We're gonna try things as we move forward. So it might be that if you were in a restaurant that had 12 tables, they're gonna only have six tables. So they're not gonna need as many servers. They're not gonna need as many bartenders. So we know they're not all coming back right away, not until we either find a treatment or a vaccine, but many of them will be coming back. If we go down to the bottom left-hand corner, construction workers, we think that number will be a much bigger number on May 8th, but they're all coming right back to work once they can. You know, once they, they open up the states, because that is a, a, a job that they can do and they can do social distancing easily on. And we know that the United States government knows for a fact that uh, the housing market is gonna bring back the economy. So they want as many houses built as possible. The, on average, the amount of money put into the economy uh, every time a new house is built is a little over $85,000. And the state of Hawaii is like $175,000. So they want to go ahead and build homes. Healthcare workers, those are the people who live in, uh, to work in a dentist's office or work in a doctor's office. They're all coming back. We're we, I have one family member, they have to get to a dentist right away, but they can't. Those people are gonna come back to work. Childcare workers, anyone with children on this call, you know you'll pay those people double to come back to work. Now, the temporary health services, we think that's gonna be a challenge still. Retail trade, we made orange because we weren't sure. But what's happening in China, the original reports out of China, is people are flooding into the stores. One luxury brand store out there sold $2.7 million the first day they opened, the largest day in that, that firm's history. All right, so we're now we might turn that into a blue. We're still looking for data on that. The accommodation industry, which includes hotels and, and the airlines. Yeah, you know, we're not sure about that yet. Will we feel comfortable getting into planes? Will we feel comfortable staying in hotels? So we're gonna keep that orange, we're not sure. The other 10% are jobs that we would have lost anyway. The vast majority of that 10% are mining jobs, which this, this country has been losing year after year after year for several years now. So I don't know, and again, I don't want you to use this chart. I'm showing you that on May 8th, we'll be able to give you a much better understanding of exactly how many of these jobs will be coming back more quickly or less quickly, all right? But what David told you, and bring back that, the, the slide with the 2912, David. What you have here in the 2912 is we have a lot of people losing their jobs right away and coming back quickly. Unlike the Great Recession, where it took nine years for so many of those people to get their jobs back. The length of the unemployment is what kills an economy. So we're gonna go down hard, which we've been telling you since week one here. It's gonna be a wild ride down. Buckle in, put your hands inside the car and put your helmet on. But then it's gonna be an exhilarating ride up. We didn't break it down here because we're looking to just give you a visual conception. But if you look at it next year, they're saying unemployment will be somewhere around six to 8%, half of what it is now. So half those jobs are coming back. Then in another 12 months, the other half are coming back. We'll be back where we are now, according to projections. And again, David likes to use the word conservative. I like to use the word the most scary, the 
the most scary projections are we're going to lose 15%. And I do think that would be the most accurate. But understand, everyone on this call, because this is what sometimes we forget every time we look at the unemployment rate. If 15% of the people are unemployed, that means 85% of the people are employed. Steve, so let's not get so caught up in the people that are being struggling to get the jobs back. We should pray for them. We should help them. We should do the things, support our restaurants. We should do all those things. But we have to realize that at worst case scenario, we can sell 85% of the houses we were going to sell. And, yeah. and understand you being on this call, what that means. You're not starting from scratch when all of a sudden we're coming back. Tom is working hard, very hard, that your AC, you're going to be ready for that. You won't be starting over from scratch. You'll be like a, a sprinter down in the position with your foot in, the, in, the, in the, that little thing on the behind you, and the guy's ready to shoot the gun. And when that gun is shot, you're out running at full speed. That's what Tom's doing for you every week in all the things he does. All right? So I, I don't think that the, though I think that the, the unemployment situation is absolutely horrible. I think it's more like someone smacked us in the back of the head really hard. In 2008, somebody took like a little pen and kept on tapping us in the head for a couple of hours. I'd rather take the smack, get through it and keep on going than get that torture for nine years. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work in the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. Steve, I want to make a I want to make a comment, and then I have a question about that slide. Sure. the The comment is, um, many many of my clients are on the line, and they know that I've referenced my uncle Frank, who uh, you know was a paratrooper on D Day, right, and landed a hundred miles, you know, on the other side of the enemy lines, and and survived. And my father in law, who tragically passed away last October at ninety four, which I guess in and of itself is a blessing. And and you know, talking with both these guys. Somebody, somebody made a comment. They said, you know, as you were going through all the different, you know, that slide of all the different industries that have been impacted by unemployment, like, you know, hey, I'm so grateful that I'm in, in real estate. I'm so grateful I'm in housing. I want to make a comment to, to everybody out there that if my father-in-law was here or my uncle Frank was here, they would say to you, you know, we were called the greatest generation ever because we stood up and we did what we had to do, right, to, to protect our families, to, you know, to go to war, right? And, and our version of war right now is, making phone calls and helping people sell houses in a very challenging time. Like, you know, your, your war is staying at home, right? Like that's your war. And I get talking with even my VP of operations, not but an hour ago, who said to me, having two kids under four and a wife that works and the two of us together trying to manage it all, you know, he's, he, but I said to him, John, no one handed you a gun. Nobody handed you a gun, right? Like you got a job, we're moving forward. But the thing I want to say to Pam, and the, the woman that asked the question, I just remember her name, Pam, yes, we should be grateful we're in this industry, but make no bones about it. You know, before COVID, it was really easy and pretty much anybody could sell a house. And during COVID, it is much more challenging. And there is no doubt that there is a, there is a, a flight to quality like we've never seen before, right? The flight to quality is the best agents are getting phone calls every day and saying, I saw that you sold the house. My home was on the market with another agent. Can you please help me? And, and that's happening 
every day right now amongst our base. But make no bones about it, Pam. Coming out of this, AC is going to be like my father-in-law. It's going to be like my Uncle Frank, right? Who said, hey, now we need to rebuild. And I would argue that if you think the DC is hard, the AC is going to be different hard. It's going to be challenging for us to work through 25, 50, 75, 100% of the lights being on metaphorically with also the looming possibility of what if it comes back next winter, next fall? There's still going to be uncertainty. So I don't, I don't want anybody, especially my coaching clients and my pivot friends to think to themselves, hey, when this is over, we're just going to jam again, right? We're going to be like that post-World War II generation who's got to bootstrap it up and work twice as hard to help as many people and do it differently. So I just wanted to throw that thought. Steve, Dave, thoughts on that before we transition back? And then we got a lot of, we got a, a lot of ground to cover still. All right. Well, I, I, I want to transition right from that, David. If it's okay, put up the new V slide. Yeah. Get a new V slide because a whole bunch of projections just came in. So I want to see this. And then I'm going to go right to what Tom just said. We were showing you a V slide with some projections because every projection was out. That was the original one you had. Wells Fargo finally made their, their third and fourth quarter projections so we can put them back on there. And we gave you exactly uh, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. They're all still projecting the same thing. It's going to be a rough second quarter. Did I mention that buckle your seatbelt and put on a helmet and keep your arms inside the yep. car? All right. And then what we're going to do is we're going to come back very strongly from there. All right. Now, the reason we put the numbers in the, th the green box is to give you some perception of what those ups and downs are going to be. All right. And the Morgan Stanley ones. So what we have here is we're still you know, to four major houses are calling for that. Merrill Lynch came out late this afternoon, right before this phone call and saying, well, maybe it's going to be V, maybe it's going to be V's ugly brother, the youth recovery. We'll do some research on that and we'll get back to you. That's not an easy thing to call. We have one of our consulting firms that we deal with right now in a war inside their own uh, offices, well, actually in their houses, going back and forth on Zoom, because the research department says, we've researched every pandemics going all the way back to 1918, and it's going to be a V. And the consulting side of the firm is saying, no, we think it might be a U. They can't even agree amongst themselves. So there is some questions. So I like what Tom said. We have to be mobile there. In AC, we're going to have to be mobile. As the, the lights start coming on in more and more rooms, what we can go ahead and do there. So I, I like what Tom's thinking was on that. But I will tell you that even though there are some people saying that it might be the ugly brother, it's not the evil co cousin. It's not an L shape. No one is projecting that. That's what 2008 was. Is if you look at a tennis ball, Right now, what most people are objecting, the vast majority are projecting, we have a brand new tennis ball. We're going to hit the ground, it's going to bounce right back up because it's got all the bounce in it. Some people, a U-shape is the ball's been worn. We've had it for a year. When you bounce it, it still bounces up, but not as quick. 2008, we had a dead tennis ball. You threw it on the ground, it stayed there and rolled away from you. <laughs> all right? So we don't have that evil cousin, the L-shape, but we might have the ugly brother. And he's not that much uglier. <laughs> but I will tell you that there are more people, even though there's some people saying that, there are more people saying exactly what we have. And let's go to the COVID slide, uh, the V slide, the next one, David. This is John Norman, head of cross-asset uh, cross fundamental strategy at JP Morgan. Said, what's today's date? Said seven days ago. 
The COVID-19 recession might only be one or two months old, but a few signs of uh, the always hoped for V-shaped recovery are starting to emerge. So the vast majority of people looking at this say still it's gonna be a V-shape, but you're gonna hear some word out there that it might be the ugly brother, the U, all right? And we'll report to that as it comes on. And the reason those questions are there, go to the next slide, David, is because as Goldman Sachs said three days ago, did I mention that we named our company Keeping Current Matters? Did I mention that anywhere along the line here? Because we believe that Keeping Current Matters? Three days ago, this is what Goldman Sachs said. If policymakers manage to thread the needle between continued virus control and a gradual reopening of the economy, the level of GDP should begin to move higher in the months ahead. So what are they saying? Well, they've decided we're going to open the country, and they put it to a plan, and now they're going to thread the needle of that plan. And David said so well to me earlier this morning. He said, do you ever try to thread a needle, Steve? And I said, my eyes are so bad right now, I can't even see the needle, never mind the thread. So threading a needle is not easy. And that's what we're asking the government and the, and the governors, the government at the, the national level and the state level to do, along with the businesses. This is going to be a little tricky. But again, what are most people projecting? What is the best available advice we can give at this moment in time? They're going to accomplish it. This is America. We do remarkable things. Now, I will tell you that even the business is saying, well, you know what? We maybe been a little, we were a little bit too optimistic very, right at the very beginning. Remember we told you, at the, you know, right at the offset, everyone was like gung-ho, you know, 66% said we'll be open in a month. And another, whatever it was, 24% said we're going to be open in, in, you know, within three months. Well, we keep on looking at that survey. And for the people out there that think we only give the good news, we give it all, you, all the news. We don't categorize news as good news or bad news. We categorize news as the news. It's nice and simple. Tell you the truth, trust your intelligence. So on this survey that we showed you, and the, just concentrate on the red numbers going down, what is happening is less and less businesses are saying that they can open in 30 days. That's gonna take them a little bit longer to open up than they originally thought. They got to get their feet underneath them. And the longer we go, the more they have to get their feet underneath them. So take a look at a restaurant. Week one, yeah, we're going to open up tomorrow. If, it, if they get a cure, we're tomorrow. Now they have to clean that restaurant out of all the food that may be in the refrigerators. That all has to go. So every business is going to take some time to get going. But even if you look all the way to the right, the April 14th survey done three days ago, we're talking about 61, more than six out of 10 businesses still say within 90 days they're open and ready to go. So again, we have 85% of the people still working. In the worst case scenario, 15% are unemployed. In the worst case scenario, though I do think that would be the accurate call. All right, we still have 85. And those other 15%, it's going to take them a little bit of time to get back to work. And then we're going to be at full steam again. All right. But I, I want everyone to understand there's no magic pill here. There's no, there's no magic map here. So when Dr. Fossey says, don't tell me to pick a date because then you're going to hold it against me and because it, I don't know if it's going to be 90 days or, or 82 days or 112 days. All I know is we're, we're moving forward pretty rapidly. And I do think all said and done, we're going to have a treatment and we're going to have a vaccine sooner than most people think. That's what is the news now. So this is what I will tell you. And this is the best advice I can give you that we can open up to questions and answers. Ladies and gentlemen, just get ready. 
keep on working. What Tom said before, this is crucially important, what Tom said before about, you know, I always argued you needed the macro data. You always wanted to tell me the local data. And I said, well, you need to know what's happening in the country too. Now everyone's putting out everything that's happening in the country. Now we're forgetting the local data. If you're selling, if you're in a marketplace that houses are being listed, if you're in a marketplace where houses are being sold, and I'm not talking about closed sales because we don't want to give them false hope. Some of that was done before the coronavirus ever got here. They're just closing now. But if you have houses going in a contract, blast that from the mountaintops because there are some people in the public that think we're out of business. And in many parts of the country, we're not. In most parts of the country, we're not out of business. We might have in some parts of the country, one hand tied behind our back. We may in other parts of the country have both hands tied behind our back. Some parts of the country, they might've already put us in a straitjacket. But we're still doing business and we have to let people know that. There are still people in need that need us right now to help them move. Steve, I wanna jump in just for a moment and say to everybody, especially for all my coaching clients and Pivot members, um, we have been talking about since 2007, when I first got on Facebook, or excuse me, on YouTube, that now more than ever to build and maintain trust, we need to be shooting videos and educating our consumers. And today, whether that is on your iPhone, sit up against the wall and hit go, or standing like this, or as I have the, you know, the, the good fortune to have a camera here and a videographer, if you're not spending time every week shooting something and saying, let me open up the MLS and tell you what's going on. Even if the news is we had four open escrows or four pending sales and we have you know, 1,300 homes on the market. I don't care what the numbers are. What you have to do is be the knowledge broker. Be the one that's the educator in your marketplace. And then look, if you can get fancy, as many of our clients have, and then incorporate uh, David's slides in the middle of your presentation as you're talking, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I mean, you know, you're going to look like the Channel 4 News. At the minimum, though, I want all of you to say to yourself, no one cares what I look like. Be the educator. Just get out there and start shooting videos on a weekly basis by looking at the MLS and the stats every day and talking about it. And Steve, to your point, I want to, I want to caution everybody. Be mindful. You know, when you look at uh, Bain, Bain and Company, their study of companies that stop marketing during a crisis, they go flat. And then David, in many cases, they struggle to ever come out because they lost their voice in the market. Where good agents like many of us on the line, we continue to market and those companies have big lifts coming out of it because they built up trust. The most important thing is the way you message that sale today. So it's not the just sold card, look at me, highest price or, or whatever we've done in the past that we were trying to stand out Today, consider it's the story of the buyer and the seller and the other agent and the lender and, and take yourself out of the equation. Tell the story of how you were able to help this buyer who you know, was in this situation, needed to make the move. You found this seller, the agent was nervous, right? You were able to put together the deal. The buyer had a lender. You, because you're a Tom Ferry person, called the lender and found out they weren't gonna get that loan. You quickly switched to another loan got the transaction, tell the story. This is the time that it's, it's against all odds. You were able to slay the dragon and do a transaction when the vast majority of agents have furloughed themselves. You did it, you saved the day. So this isn't a just sold card. This is really a tell the story of how you did it card. And if you're doing that and you're doing it on Facebook and you're doing it with compassion and empathy for understanding the person that's getting it, how they might be perceiving it, 
it's not ego. It's just telling the truth about what you were able to accomplish. And when you do it, you better do it hard and often, right? That's my advice. Steve thoughts, David thoughts. You know, I'll hop in here and I'll say this, Tom, you talked a lot about, you know, your father-in-law and the greatest generation, people being called to, to do what we're doing today, which, which by the way, is, is, is not a lot in the grand scheme of things and what you're talking about. But can you imagine today, even what we have the opportunity to do where I'm seeing agents open up a Zoom account? It's not hard right now to connect that to Facebook and do what we're yep. doing. That was not an option back in 2008. Let's be clear about that, right? We, we can take data now, we can broadcast it out and become the news. We, we have that option today when that was not an option in 2008. And, and, and being able to do that in our business right now is making a difference. I was on, a, on the phone this morning with a, with a coach um, with, with Brittany on your team, it, it filmed one yesterday and was great. We were showcasing it to KCM members and just people out there every day making a difference through just doing a little bit more. Yep. And so I want to hit you, I want to hit you with some questions guys. So right, let me just ready? say one thing first, Tom, Please. let me just say one thing first, because you and I were talking, you, I, and David were talking before this, before we went live here, ladies and gentlemen, understand what you've already accomplished. Okay. In 2018, they did a lot of studies about what happened in 2008, and every study came out saying the same thing, that the panic that existed in the American population back then caused it to be much worse than it really had to be. People panicked and did stupid stuff. So when this was happening this time, a bunch of people got together, a bunch of great agents, Tom, he asked us to come along for the ride and said, you know, we're not gonna let that happen again. We're not going to let the panic make it worse than it needs to be. The people that are on this call right now, I think you might have already accomplished that. We've taken the panic out of the market, and now we're moving forward. Now, I'm not saying you still don't have panic competitors, maybe even people in your office that are still hiding under the bed. Tom told you two weeks ago, let's drag them out because we need a big army. I think a little bit differently. Let them sleep there. All right, I'll just work this out and I'll show by example that they should come out from under the bed. You did something amazing already. We just have to keep it going. You have a question, Tom? So I, first of all, I just was looking, thank you, Steve. And I'm looking at the comments and, and I hope all of you are taking the time to go through and look at the comments of the number of people that are saying, we're selling houses like crazy. There's no inventory. We've got multiple offers. Like we get... Stay away from the traditional news, my friends, because if you do, you're going to think that the whole world is over. And I'm, I'm not saying don't be informed. I'm saying have a filter. Have a filter. Get the information that you need. Get your local government news that's about opening up or dates. But don't get involved in anything else because everything else is going to throw you into a titty. Get into the MLS and look at the stats. And what you're going to find is, yes, there's maybe less transactions, most likely less being done, but there's transactions being done. And that's what we need to focus on and get you in front of those buyers and sellers to help them. Okay, guys, I'm going to hit you with a bunch of questions. You ready? Uh, Steve, what if we're in a city where the appreciation has grown exponentially over the last four to five years? Shouldn't we naturally see a ton of price reductions and a massive decline in prices? I don't know. Do, do prices are determined out. It, it's all kind of what city you're in, very obviously. You know, in New York, they've been seeing some challenges for the last two years. Yep. Well, in the 
what do you say, the BC era of Manhattan real estate, yes. they were already struggling. You know, first we had a tax situation with the salt, and then the, uh, the, the state of New York decided they were going to put a mansion tax on things, and people started scurrying out of New York. So yep. they've been in a challenge for some time, and I think that that will continue to be a challenge. Now, will some of those people blame it on the coronavirus? Yeah, maybe, but they were in a challenge already. I don't think it had, you know, coronavirus might have uh, added a little fuel to that fire, but they wasn't the cause of that fire, all right? But I think in the most place, to make it nice and simple, the price of anything in the world is supply and demand. Yep. That's the price of anything in the world. How much of it is available and how many people want to buy it? If the supply is limited, well, let's say the supply isn't limited. Let's just say supply is overloaded, like we had in 2008, and demand was limited, prices must come down because the person selling whatever that item is has to lower their price to what these buyers will be willing to pay. In the reverse market, where there's a lack of supply but a very high demand, yep. the exact opposite happens. So what winds up taking place, prices continue to rise. Now, Again, as I mentioned before, there are three so far, there are three entities that we respect highly. And I haven't seen any entity say the other way. I mean, are there guys with YouTube channels that are predicting the end of the world for the last 15 years, saying sure. that we're going to have Armageddon? And by the way, they sell a book that if, you, if we're in Armageddon, you know, this book will save you? Yeah, there are those people with YouTube channels. All right, but I'm talking about real reliable resources. There's only three that have come out so far. First American came out this morning saying there will be no depreciation. I forget if it was Fannie, Mac, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, one of the two, came out yesterday saying there will be no depreciation. And Ivy Zellman is calling for 3% appreciation this year and 4 point something next year. So we're not looking at red bars. Now, again, if you're in a community or a price point where you have loads of inventory, then you may be. But we also have to realize that something is going to be interesting happening here because the, the whole social science piece of this is will a person that was living in a high rise and every single day being afraid to get in that elevator and press that button because they don't know who was in the elevator a second before pushing that button, will they now look for that retreat three hours out of the city. So I think there's Steve. a tremendous amount of opportunity there. Steve, the, the, this question was asked three times. Is this the start of de-urbanization? I, I, de-urbanization is pretty, is pretty crazy, but I do think like in a high end, uh, I don't know that they're going to sell necessarily their place in New York. They might downsize it. I don't know if they'll sell it, but they're going to look for a retreat someplace now, for the people with a lot of money, they're going to look for a retreat on maybe the Jersey Shore or maybe out you know, in the Hamptons, uh, someplace that they can escape to should anything like this ever happen again. There are people already talking about that. All right. And for the people with a little less money, maybe they're going to go to the mountains of Pennsylvania or up to the Catskills and get a little lake house up in Saratoga or something outside of Saratoga. All right. But I do think there's going to be a drive there. Now, do I also think that there might be some migration? There's been a migration out of some of our uh, bigger cities for a while now. Yeah. And I think that that might be included. But right now, we're just trying to get through, as I told you from day one, you know, let's make a 90-day commitment and a 30-day plan. So I think we keep our minds open to that. We should be prospecting those people. I think we should be nurturing those leads and be ready at AAC 
to go ahead there, but we haven't done that research yet. That's probably our, that, that, that research for us is probably 30 to 45 days out. So I'm watching the comments here, guys. Look at this $34 million home in Hananale, and I can never say that wrong, but in, uh, or right, in Hawaii, right? So we just saw that. Uh, Portugal checking in. Prices are the same, but, you know, we're getting, we're getting low offers on everything. No shock, right? right? The Germans, the, you know, everybody's racing over to buy that beach house over in Europe. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, big shout out to Saratoga. Yes. Um, Another interesting comment that was made, Steve, and I'm curious, David, maybe on your end, David, yeah. so this person says, hey, in my area, and I'm sorry, Linda, I didn't catch your last name, but I saw the comment. In my area, you know, we're seeing price reductions everywhere and we're struggling with appraisals. Mm -hmm. So David, you're 20 years in finance. What does someone do when they're struggling with appraisals? Wow. You know, I think there, so first of all, with appraisals right now, we're seeing things happen differently. We know that in a number of different places being done, uh, you know, in a drive-by kind of scenario, not traditionally there. I think with, with what Steve mentioned and what we're looking at is appreciation across the country and appraisals right now holding with that. Now there is, I will, I will do this, Tom. We, we, um, we track the gap between uh, the, what the, the homeowner expects and what the appraisal comes in at. Um, we can bring that data back. I can go back and look into that and get our team on that. But I would love but to right see that. Now, what's that? I said, I think we'd all love to see that yeah. just as an additional data point, especially for some of the areas where appraisals, because it's not, it's not every nook and cranny of the country, but we're seeing it in certain parts of the country where appraisals are an issue right now. Yeah. So we can definitely put that down and, and bring that. Did Tom, answer me this, because the, the question, I'm not saying the, the question didn't make sense. I'm saying I'm confused. If prices are going down, when they say they're having a problem with appraisals, because usually in a market where prices are going down, you have no problem with appraisals yeah. because they're under what houses used to sell for. Are they saying they're having a problem getting the appraisals done or that the value is not coming in? Values. Got it. Values. Okay. We can, de we can definitely look at that. Yeah. Just look at this guy. So then I just, you know, again, because of, you know, our exposure and the clients we have all over the world. Uh, but right here, Pat Samuelson in Fontana, California, just received four offers after five days, all over asking. Wow. And, and so someone clearly in Fontana forgot to tell the consumers that the world has imploded <laughs> and that it's 2008 again. Now for my friends in New York City, by the way, Karen Stone, I just saw two closings and a rental all done virtually. And, you know, Steve, you know, in New York City to close a transaction, agent, agent, buyer, seller, attorney, attorney, managing broker, all in one room at the same time, Thursday at three to get a deal done. And today they're doing it virtually. So Karen and all my New York City brokers, huge shout Listen, out. I know Karen Stone. And, and if anyone was going to do it, she'd be the one to get it done. She's a very, very special person. Yeah. So, so speaking of New York City, I see uh, Nikki just joined us, but also Jay oh, Glazer, who uh, I have known for a long time and actually played golf with him. And he's just a terrific human being and a great agent. He said, hey, guys, if New York City is truly on lockdown, unlike many markets, what do you suggest? I was able to secure a completely virtual sale, sight unseen, but we really can't sell houses right now. Now, I'm going to speak to this. So Jay is a coaching. Steve, thoughts first before I talk to, to Jay, because Jay's a terrific guy. All right. uh, the only thing I'm going to say on that is I don't know the answer to that. You know, I, what I don't want to try to do is, especially in New York, I'm from there. I know the challenges. I don't know what they're restricted to do. It, 
in different yeah. parts of New York is even different. So I, I really don't know enough yeah. to answer that question. Specifically in Manhattan, because I get to talk to a lot of agents there, in most cases, they can't even get into the building to see right. the apartment. No one can get in as an example. So Jay, listen, my friend, because someday you and I are going to be playing golf, whether it's here on the West Coast or the East Coast. And we're going to look back at this moment and we're going to talk about BC, DC, and AC. And in DC, right, during COVID, the agents that are winning right now, especially the high-end brokers, I don't mean just in Manhattan, I mean everywhere. Timmy Smith, who you know, right here on the West Coast, right? Today's Friday the 17th. When I have my coaching session with him, Wednesday at, I want to say, maybe two or three in the afternoon, he had already done seven listing appointments, right? The flight to quality right now is the key, Jay, and your quality, like I saw Josh Rubin, my personal client who's out there right now watching also in the city. Jay, what you need to be doing is loading the cannon, meaning if you're not on the phone, intelligently marketing, following up on every buyer, every seller, reaching out to every single person in your database to find out what their plans are in AC, this will end. When the lights go on, whether it's 25, 50, 75, or 100%, Jay, what are your plans? What are you guys thinking about doing, right? If you're in rapport with your customers after you've said, hey, how are you, and checking in, because there's no doubt, my friends, New York City, it was rough the last couple of weeks, right? New York City, Hoboken, and surrounding in the boroughs. So Jay, you know, right? Because you've you got a lot of charisma. You check in, how you doing? You find out where they're at. And right now, what you're looking for is how many people you can get. Think of it like, Jay, it's New York City, but it's after Thanksgiving and the city starts to slow down. And the great agents in the Northeast, all my friends up in Canada, when it gets cold, you know what they do? They keep marketing, they keep prospecting, and they find all those people that want to put it on in the spring market. That's your mission right now, my friends. This Thursday, Jay, on Pivot, we're doing a madman, madwoman appointment setting day. You should set an intention to book seven, 10 appointments that day alone to do Zoom sessions, to start talking to clients about their move and the timing and when it's right. Does that make sense, my friend? And you have my cell phone. You text me. You know I'll help. All right. So, fellas, we got time for one last question. Actually, we really don't. So, I'm going to actually say to you guys, um, closing, you know, closing thoughts. We covered a lot of ground. David, the slides, absolutely fantastic, right? Absolutely fantastic. And I know just watching people's, you know, comments that this is the kind of material that's going to help them this right. week and next week shoot right. more videos, do more social posts, put it in their email. I'm seeing people put it on their business cards. Shout out to my friends at Berkshire Hathaway, Georgia. They took every one of your cards the last couple of weeks, guys, and they just, they just replicated them into the marketing department so everybody can get them out. So closing thoughts as, I, as I'm just carried away with enthusiasm. David, yeah. I'm going to go to you first. Closing yeah. thoughts. I think let's, let's start where we, let's kind of end where we started these reasons that this is not 2008 all over again. Yeah. We have to get that in the market. The, the area that we, um, th th when I talk to agents, when we talk to KCM members across the country, the, the, the challenge with that at times is that we can fall prey to the knowledge that we know, but that co consumers don't necessarily know. So my encouragement would be to get that message out, get the message out, uh, that recession does not equal housing crisis. This isn't 2008 all over again, because that is what, um, what, what is being said in a lot of different places. Yeah, I'm going to double down on what David just said and say, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see some horrific headlines over the next 30 to 60 days. Uh, and not, it's not going to be news. We're already going to know. 
they're going to talk about sales being down 30 percent they're going to be talking about all sorts of craziness from as the housing numbers come in and of course we know that sales are going to be down i'm happy that we we're doing as many as we are but that headline when it comes across is going to make your client think that nothing's happening that the world is crashing so staying ahead of the headline ahead of the headlines reach out to them and say listen there's going to be some hor horrific headlines but understand most of the countries in a stay-at-home order during a pandemic. What did you expect was going to happen? So stay in front of that. And when those headlines hit, and I'll end with this, remember seven words. Calm down, sit down, think, plan, act. Put together your plan for DC and make sure that you have a plan for AC. Because the people who have a plan, and Tom's doing a great job with that, the people who have a plan for both of those times, you're going to come out of the gate running. Your biggest challenge in 90 to 120 days from now is I can't handle the amount of businesses coming out. That's going to be your biggest challenge. So as we wrap up, my friends, listen, if you're with us on Pivot next week, we're doing a video mastermind on Monday with some of the top agents using video. So you'll, you'll walk away with 15 ideas. But look at this, Steve. We're going to, do, we're going to show people with three agents how they're doing Zoom virtual first time buyer seminars with the highest being one of our clients said 230 people on a zoom session, educating them on how to buy in this market. So that's going to take place on Tuesday. We're doing objection handling on Wednesday. We're going to do madman, mad woman appointment setting on Thursday, which means everybody just getting on the phone and serving Friday. We're talking managing and then are managing our time. And then this time next week, once again, we'll be back with you for this week in housing. So I want to say to all of you, my friends, again, this is the time, right? What you do over the next 30 days will determine, in my opinion, your career, your trust, your referrals, your brand, and your reputation. Some people have been sitting on the sidelines. I told a story recently, and Steve, you'll appreciate this, the William Ravis organization, Judy Johnson I get this email from Bill Ravis, the CEO, who says, Tom, check this out from one of the managers. We did a training. We, you know, we, we educated them on the market. We talked about making phone calls. We talked about reaching out to their sphere. And this beautiful gal got on the phone and she basically made 10 conversations a day for two straight days, called her manager and said, I was so inspired by it. Now, what most of you probably can't imagine is this woman, Judy Johnson, is 93 years old, 93 years old on the phone while well, I just did a training with him on Thursday and I, I gave a shout out to Judy Johnson and I told everybody hashtag be like Judy, be like Judy, one of the greatest generations ever, 93 years old. And you know what she did? She went right out of the gate and upped her number to 20 conversations a day. What she said was my past clients in Sphere were so happy to hear from me and this is what I did to build my business. If I'm not talking to people right now, I'm out of business. So my advice for all of you, sharpen the ax, get better, make more phone calls, use these slides, look at the local data that you have, contrast it to what we're sharing with you here, and you will be the knowledge broker and your brand and your referrals are gonna go through the roof. And that's what this is all about, being the agent of trust. So we're gonna wrap it with that. We love you guys. Thank you so much. If you like this, share it with your friends, certainly your friends in the industry, because a lot of people need to hear this message. So God bless you guys. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next week.
If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.